there, this is Ashley, and you're listening to the Motherhood Unfiltered Podcast. I am so glad you joined us this week. As usual, our topic is about real life, unpolished, imperfect, and unfiltered. I keep it real so you can too. I don't take it for granted that in the little bit of time you have to spend on yourself each day, you choose to spend it with me. So let's get ready to be refreshed, to laugh a little, maybe cry a little, and celebrate all the things we face together as we discover our purpose in and out of motherhood. If you love me and you love this podcast, then I have something else you're going to love. Go to my website at ashleyhenriot.com and check out my store. I have the cutest items, teas, tanks, stickers, and even my favorite coffee cups. And of course, free shipping. What mom doesn't love free shipping, right? You'll find my message of empowering and encouraging women there as well. And because you listen to this podcast, I'm going to give you my friends a code to get 10% off. Use code LOVE10 and get 10% off your whole entire purchase. I'll link it in the show notes for you as well, sister. I know that I've mentioned it before on social media lately, but we really never got in depth about this subject. And I really wanted to talk about it because it's a really common word that we use now. It's mostly what's out there and and we really need to learn how to identify with who is a narcissist and what does the Bible say about narcissists? Can they change? Can they be healed? And I want to talk about that because if I'm being completely honest, I have struggled with narcissistic behaviors. And I did that because of a lot of traumas from my past and I read up on that and but there is a difference between behaviors and a disorder. And I often get asked if a narcissist can be healed. My answer is sometimes hard for people to accept. When I say that narcissists don't change, I genuinely, genuinely mean it. The pushback I often get is that with God, all things are possible, even a narcissist being healed. So I want to both qualify my answer about whether narcissists change and what God can or is willing to do about it. But before we talk about anyone being healed, I first have to define a few things. Narcissistic behavior is different from narcissistic personality disorder. We've all had times where we blame others for that which we ourselves are responsible. We've all been filled with pride and tried to get our own way. Mental illnesses such as addiction and depression have a way of emphasizing that narcissism. Our miseries clog our perception of reality with endless pictures of ourselves. Everyone is overly self-absorbed at one time or another. Some consider Paul to be a narcissistic before his conversion. I personally doubt it because he was so zealous for God and yet so misguided. Maybe that sounds familiar to you. I'm sure he had narcissistic tendencies like all of us, but I don't think he had the personality disorder. Surely he lacked empathy. But many of the other signs seemed unnotable, and in his case, unlike Nebuchadnezzar, right? But what is narcissistic personality disorder? And here's the thing. That is a whole nother matter altogether. And here's just a brief list of common symptoms. Low levels of empathy, high levels of insecurity, an inflated sense of self-importance, a sense of entitlement, 
a tendency to exaggerate, arrogance and boastfulness, and prone to belittling others. An expectation of special treatment followed by an angry reaction if it's not received. According to the vast majority of psychologists, a narcissistic personality disorder is not curable, but it is treatable. The main problem is treating it is that those with narcissistic personality disorders are unwilling to acknowledge any perceived weakness. It's kind, it makes you kind of sad, right? And here's the thing. I have read journal after journal and articles of like the science behind this disorder. And the reoccurrent theme is that no one has successfully documented a person with true NPD of being cured. Crazy. It's crazy. I have looked so many places. I've Googled all of the things and no one has successfully cured a psychopath either. So if you find evidence, send it to your girl because I've not been able to. And I'm actually hopeful only in the realm of the fact that I have compassion for people in general. There is one documented case of a narcissistic being healed. Now, he didn't seek treatment, but rather he underwent a divine intervention. Nebuchadnezzar certainly checked all the boxes above. He was the one who was outraged by Meshach, Abednego, Shadrach, refusals to bend the knee of the golden idol that they had of God. And he sent them into the fiery furnace. He had no empathy and this is what he actually said after being warned that God was going to humble him. Is not the great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of the power and for the honor of the, my majesty, Daniel 4.30. Certainly one can sense the enormous grandiosity of his statement. To build a kingdom for the honor of one's own majesty is to tempt God indeed. Nebuchadnezzar became convinced of his invincibility. Narcissism barely covers it. but God the two words that can change everything, right? But God, God forces the wayward king to change by giving him just the treatments that he needs to become a real person again. Nebuchadnezzar had to live outside with the beast, eating grass, and the ability to communicate is taken from him for seven years. Think about it this way. God healed a narcissist by making him live in the lowest conditions for seven whole years. If that is what it took for the Babylon king to see reason, then we need to ask ourselves whether it is likely that the narcissist is in our lives will be healed given the treatments available through modern methods. God's intervention worked, of course. Nebuchadnezzar, after his time is up, says this, listen. And at the end of the days, Nebuchadnezzar lifted up my eyes to heaven and, uh, and my understanding returned unto me and I blessed the Most High. I praised and I honored him that lives forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation and all of the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing as he can stand in his hand or say to him, what doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me and for the glory of the kingdom, my honor and brightness returned unto me and my counsels and my Lord sought me and I was established in my kingdom in excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth in his ways, judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Mm. And that's in Daniel 3, 34, 37. See, God seems to force the king's hand in this. 
I don't know how often this happens. One of the issues with this story is that God seemingly overcomes the free will of Nebuchadnezzar. He doesn't often do that. And I have noticed, perhaps this is why so few narcissists change. They will not use their free will to enter into the intense humbling that being healed would require, though perhaps that is not the whole story, right? God removes just enough of the king's capacity to function and gives him just enough time for him to surrender his will, which is perhaps more accurate. At any rate, a lesson should be noted. Listen, write this down. If it takes God seven years of an all-encompassing treatment to bring a narcissist to his knees, should we wonder at all if the narcissists in our lives do not change merely at our request? I will admit that I've had a bit of a laugh at the idea of God suddenly reducing all narcissists into a cow-like creatures, okay? But the truth of the matter is, as one psychologist put it, narcissists have no tolerance for shame. If one begins to confront the enormous well of shame underneath the grandiosity, the result is often suicide. Ironically, narcissists are the weakest among them. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But that God healed a narcissist. As flagrant as a Babylon king is hopeful as much as it is warning. In the word of Nebuchadnezzar, those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. I know the day is coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess his lordship. I imagine that will be harder for some more than others. And there's this one article I read and it's Poema Chronicles and she talks about inner healing and she has a great article on narcissists and the perception of King Nebuchadnezzar. And I just thought it was really, really intriguing. And the reason I brought this up is because God showed me a few things that I struggled with that were narcissistic behaviors. And I was so concerned about them. I actually went to my therapist. Yes, I believe in therapy. We all know this. Jackie L. Perry has a shirt that's Jesus in therapy. I'm like, yes, girl. Because I was concerned. I was like, hey, am I so screwed up? (laughs) Are my behaviors and my toxicity towards relationships and all of these things, is it because I'm a narcissist? I boldly ask that because I love Jesus enough to want to know the truth about what I'm struggling with. Straight up told me, no, you're not a narcissist. You do not have narcissistic personality disorder. And honestly, she even told me that I didn't have behaviors, but I disagreed a little bit. I felt like I did. And I felt like it was just a protective mechanism to not be rejected or hurt or abandoned. It didn't necessarily was this guard to not reflect on my behavior because that's all I did. I was so full of shame. I just felt like everything was my fault and I carried that burden. Some of it was false humility. Some of it was just because of my trauma from my past. And I really wanted to reflect on that because I wanted to give it to God. And so my encouragement to you is, do you struggle with narcissistic behaviors that you have to ask God like, hey, I don't want to be like this. (laughs) I want to be more like you. And in wanting to be more like Christ, there's things like that that we have to to address. I don't know if I said this, but the term narcissist is definitely a buzzword these days. You hear it a lot in TikToks, in the TikTok realm. And you hear a lot of people talk about it on Instagram and even shows. It's It's a big word. And I think that it should be addressed in the Christian community. 
Because what do we say to those who have been victimized by narcissistic personality disorder? Okay, that's a whole different thing, but narcissistic behaviors. What do we say to the person struggling with that and to the person that's been victimized by that? Are we prepared for that? You know, what was once limited to a professional's diagnosis and a rare one at that is now being diagnosed by spouses and siblings and parents and children and paraprofessionals and influencers and coaches and bloggers. And because of this, there are more people being labeled as narcissists than ever before. And as Christians, how should we think about this phenomenon? Is it okay to label someone like that? I mean, honestly, the reason I was able to recognize my behaviors was because of the trend. And it really challenged me. And honestly, I'm glad that it did. Because there are certain things that are just simply selfish, I think we do, that is sinful and we just have to deal with that. But I mean, what really is narcissist? Because we have to be prepared as Christians to talk about it. And according to psychologists, narcissism is a disorder in which someone has inflated self-importance, right? Symptoms we've talked about. They need admiration. Okay, so this is where I got a few concerns (laughs) and I ran straight to my therapist. A need for admiration. I needed to be admired by people, a disregard for others' feelings. I felt like I didn't care enough about other people's feelings. Not that I didn't care, but I wanted to care a lot. And I felt I never really wanted to be like the person that was like, yeah, I'll pray for you. I'm so sorry that your dad died. I wanted to feel, feel that their dad died. I didn't want to just forget about it the next day. And that was just me being hard on myself. But another one is an inability to handle criticism, a sense of entitlement, See, diagnosis for that disorder is rare, fewer than 200,000 U.S. cases per year, but the condition is chronic, lifelong, and cannot be cured, the personality disorder. It's rare. So to label someone as a narcissist is actually a super serious claim. It's lifelong. It's incurable. Those are the definite words. We can't find somebody that was ever cured. And my only explanation was Nebuchadnezzar, but even with those strong designations, maybe narcissism behaviors aren't as rare as psychological say it is. See, the Bible speaks of our inherently selfish nature in Ephesians 2.3. It says that all of us at one time lived to gratify the carvings of the flesh, and we were by nature deserving of wrath. This dates all the way back to the beginning of human race. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the forbidden tree, it was the lure of their selfish desires their desires for pleasure, popularity, and power that drew them. That same thing that what can drive a narcissist or narcissistic behaviors, right? It's sinful behaviors. And that's what my revelation was, that I was just, I had selfish, protective layers of behavior that I needed to deal with. I wasn't a narcissist, but I did have certain behaviors that were flags that just were not godly and that were sinful. And, you know, James says that it's selfish desires that start quarrels in James 4.1. And that selfish desire gives birth to sin and sin to death. And he also knows that where you have selfish ambition, guess what? You have disorder, every evil practice. I mean, it's all in James, James 3.16. But does the fact that it's our nature in and of itself presuppose that it is incurable? I don't think so, right? In his letter to the Romans, Paul talks about the selfish and evil desires that was cried out. And he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? And his answer, God who delivers us through Jesus. What a wretched man I am. 
what is the difference between a narcissist and someone who isn't? Someone whose selfish condition is not defined as lifelong and incurable is able to recognize that they are wretched and need help for their condition. Someone who is truly a narcissist would never admit that. It would be devastating to their identity. It would mean having to surrender and give up control. Like Satan, control is something a narcissist must have. 1 John 5, 19, 21 says this, that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Satan has minions freaking everywhere. People who are feeding his narcissism, who are codependent on him, not believing that he is evil and falling for his lies. And like Satan, a narcissist without minions in their control to support their worth would be reduced to nothing, an unbearable situation for them. That is why a narcissist will steal, kill, and destroy to maintain control. They are relentless. And it is why the book of John, 1 John ends by letting us know this, that Jesus has come and given us understanding so that we are no longer under Satan's control. And then it goes on to give us a strong warning to keep ourselves from idols so that we stay away from those who could get us to believe lies and worship them. Does it sound like a more familiar story? There is a cycle. There is a pattern in the Bible where God has had to deal with narcissist or maybe not just narcissistic sinful behaviors. Now, here is the real question. We have a lot of people that say in the Christian realm, they cannot be healed. And we have a lot of people to say, well, the disorder, which is rare, is different from a behavior. And if the behaviors can be transformed and the person can find grace, right? I was one of those people. Can the disorder person find salvation? And honestly, we don't really have an answer, but let's talk about this for a second. Does it mean that a narcissist is beyond salvation? We want to believe that no one is beyond salvation. After all, nothing is impossible for God, right? In Acts 2.21 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but therein lies the problem. Remember Paul's cry out for what a wretched man I am. A narcissist cannot utter that cry or call on the name of the Lord. It isn't that God doesn't want to save them. It's that they don't want to be saved because they don't see the need to be saved. And God will not force someone to come to him who is not willing. That is the difference between a narcissistic disorder and a narcissistic behavior. And honestly, behaviors, I call them narcissistic behaviors because it's a buzzword if I'm being real, right? And we need to be aware of those things because it can get out of hand. But really, it's just selfish behaviors. It's selfish, sinful behaviors that when Adam and Eve ate the apple off the tree, that it's just something that we as humans struggle with. But the disorder, there's a part of them that just cannot accept the fact that they are wrong. So if they can't accept the fact that they're wrong, how can they accept Christ who died for the sin that we struggle with, right? And listen, as a side note, narcissists are able to learn what to say, what not to say in order to blend in with the society. So a narcissist might say that they know they are wretched and need a savior. And they might even say so convincingly, but that doesn't mean they're feeling that on the inside or showing it on the outside. 1 John 5.16 says that there is a sin that leads to death, a sin so bad that we are told not to even bother praying for it. Matthew 12, 31 through 32 tells us that the unforgivable sin is a rejection of the Holy Spirit. That rejection of the Holy Spirit defines the very nature of a narcissist. And I'm going to be real if I can for a second before we go into how to handle a narcissist. I was so scared 
that I was a narcissist, that when I knew how to fake it, I knew how to fake when I was hurting and I knew how to fake a smile after I was punched in the face. And I knew, I knew what to say to somebody and I knew I knew how to blend in wherever I was. And I probably was torn on the inside at times. And when I came to a certain place in my life and I had to read on those things, I was scared. I was just genuinely like, am I a freaking narcissist? Am I beyond being saved? If Is that why I keep failing? But something brought me to truth. And it was the fact that this, the only sin that is unforgivable, that is so bad, is the rejection of the Holy Spirit. And I knew that I had the Holy Spirit in me. I knew that I did. And I knew what he had, Jesus had done in my life. And I knew in that moment I was not a narcissist. I had selfish, sinful tendencies, but I did not have a disorder in which kept me away from God. I was too willing to want him. So before you get all afraid as well, how bad do you want him? What has he already done in your life? You know, in John 5, 16, and we quoted it in a previous chapter that says sin leads to death. I want to talk about, does the Bible give us any hint as to how to handle a narcissist? Maybe you have somebody close in your life. Here's the thing. I'm going to be real with you, okay? Don't waste your time or energy on them. Don't. There's a sin that leads to death. And don't even bother praying about that sin that leads to death. Too often, codependents, those who stay in relationships with narcissists, feeding their egos and giving them narcissistic supply, spend a lot of time and emotional energy doing things, including praying, to try to get their narcissist to change, to love, to be kind, to be happy. But the Bible says that we shouldn't even bother praying for that. They can't change because change requires surrender and they can't surrender. So don't waste your time and energy on them. And I know that is hard to swallow. That's not to say that we shouldn't pray for them at all. We can still pray for their circumstances of their life. So we can still pray for their souls. But when it comes to their salvation, we should do as 1 Corinthians 5, 5 says, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit might be saved on the day of the Lord. So you can pray for him, his soul. You can pray for his circumstances, but stop trying to basically change the direction and the path of the life that he is like just relentlessly on because everyone has the opportunity to accept Christ, but narcissists reject it. So don't yield to them. When you know the truth and are able to set boundaries and stand up for yourself, a narcissist will oppose you. Galatians 4.16 says this, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? That does happen. Tell the truth anyway. Philippians 1.28 says to not be afraid of those who oppose you, but because of your lack of fear, there will be a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved when they see how confident you are in the truth. It'll be a sign to them that you are right and they are wrong. Live in peace. If you are trying to help a narcissist, here's the thing. Narcissists can't live with you in peace. Then let them live without you. You aren't required to stay with someone who, by all intents and purposes, clearly doesn't have any interest in having a peaceful, healthy relationship with you, especially when they can't accept their part in the relationship. And when you allow the relationship to go on its way, it could end up being a good thing. I mean, how do you know wife, whether you will save your husband, 1 Corinthians 7, 16, by your willingness to let go. We could always be wrong about them being a narcissist too, you know? What if there's a chance that they aren't a narcissist? Okay. 
As was implied earlier, there's a chance that anyone could wrongly diagnose someone as a narcissist. Then what? Would all this prove to be a mood point? No one wants that. That's why in the end, it truly doesn't matter whether you are accurate about whether someone is a narcissist once we understood the truth, know what love is, establish boundaries, and confidently enforce them. We develop a consistency in the way we treat people regardless of their spiritual, mental, or emotional state. What I mean is that when someone treats you poorly, crosses a boundary, or opposes you, a healthy person, you, has a response that is consistent regardless of who is offending the person. Here's an example. Let's say that someone gets upset with you and makes an assumption about your reasons for doing something. You know the truth. So you, T, trust your gut, R, recognize that you are giving feelings, you know, that you're feeling give you information. You undo what you've learned about affirmation, respect, love, submission. T, tell yourself and others the truth. And H, hold tight to the word of God. And you say, I, I can understand why you would think that, but the truth is here is what my reasoning actually was. And you can explain yourself like a healthy response is. Like even if you said it was your boss at work who was upset with you, he might respond with, oh, I hadn't thought about that possibility that you were thinking about it that way. Okay, let's think about other ways to get this done. And a healthy response would be that you had freedom to express your thoughts without fear of retaliation. Your perspective was heard and valued. Uh, he took responsibility for the fact that he hadn't thought about it that way. The result was an ability to move forward. There's ways to deal with narcissists. And there are healthy ways and there are unhealthy ways. For instance, you know, if you were to retaliate against belittling or for minimizing somebody's thoughts for your perspective because it was invalidated, the person's response is not in reality and that there was a demand that reality adapt to him when he said that it can't be like that. He took no responsibility for his part in the problem and the result was bad feelings and a roadblock for moving forward. And here's the things. If you have to deal with a narcissist, I want you to use the three C's. Stay calm and don't read, which is reason, explain, argue, or defend, and only try to control what you can. Minimize contact. And you will respond with the three S's in mind, safety, security, and sanity. You didn't need to label anyone as a narcissist in order to know how to respond. In fact, your first response is the same regardless or of whether someone is emotionally healthy or unhealthy. And then you tweak your responses from there based on that information that you get about the other person from the way they are responding. What this boils down to is that the way you interact with people isn't dependent upon whether they have a chronic mental health condition, whether they have authority over you, or even whether you're married to them. Your response to them is based upon who you are and the boundaries that you have and the truth that you cling to from God's word because you know that hope isn't found in our situation changing. It is found in our situation. Thanks for joining me on Motherhood Unfiltered. Make sure to go visit my website at ashleyhenriot.com where you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in Motherhood Unfiltered, I would really appreciate you dropping a rating on iTunes and maybe encouraging a friend to join us too. I'd love to see you on TikTok or Instagram where I keep it real <laughs> in the reels. <laughs> 
be sure to tune in next time. And thanks for listening to Motherhood Unfiltered. <laughs>